Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I want to thank you for joining me here for another episode here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. I'm trying to get this. Oh, Lord, I'm dropping stuff all on my life. <laughs> I'm trying to get this iPad situated, yet I'm dropping the phone. I'm dropping all kinds of stuff. I don't even know what to do with the phone. So, Hopefully, I did not hang up, but I want to thank you for joining me here for another episode here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. We're going to be kind of piggybacking off of last week's show as in honor of Black History Month. I wanted to talk about family, and as we talked about the black families last week, it wasn't just specifically with the black families, it's families in general, because it appears that families are just basically just under attack. And some individuals come from big families, small families, medium-sized families. But my question to you is, is family still important? Do it really still matter? What is the importance of family? I remember my son said one time, you can't pick and choose your family members. I said, I can't pick and choose who I associate myself with. Now, we got our first guest on the line. Let me log him on. Hello, Mr. Ed. How are you doing? Can you hear me? Oh, hello there. How are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? We're doing it at Medea. How are you doing today? How are you doing? If you've been seeing me on Facebook, I've been pretty much running around like a chicken with my head cut off today. I finally made it back home, and my grandson didn't want me to come back home. So when we talk about family and the importance of family and sometimes restoring family, this is a really interesting topic, a very interesting topic. Because when we start talking about, you know, like I said, Black History Month, there's a lot of history within our families. And I wanted individuals to call in because people were talking about how sometimes they're having conflicts with either their mothers, their brothers, their siblings. And you brought up something last week that was interesting in regards to how did we get here, what actually happened. So when we start talking about this topic, it leads to dialogue and conversation, especially as it relates to what happened to the black family, what is going on, and how can we bring the families back together again, again, and what is the importance? Do we really need to do that? I was just watching one of my um, younger cousins on YouTube, and not YouTube, she was on Instagram, one of them, and she's doing this thing about Black Alice, and I am very proud of her because when we talk about family, there's a lot of talent in family, but then there, there's some that don't want their secrets told, and sometimes people compete with one another, so there's also a lot of pain in family and the trauma. So let me log on the other guest, and then, Mr. Ed, I have a question for you. Hello, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Precious Predicaments, Blog Talk Radio. I think this is Tabuki. Is this Tabuki? Yeah, this is Tabuki. How's hey. it going, Miss Jeanette? I'm doing well. I made it. I was running a little late. But I have a question. <laughs> I want to get first. We talk about the importance of family. Mr. Ed, you see, or when you think about your family, because you about your father was a boxer, you talked about how you have people in your family that have done things, great things, whether it was acting or whatever, because we, we have these things in our family. But when we start talking about the family, what are some of the things that you today that have kind of deteriorated the families, our family members? What has deteriorated mm-hmm. family members? Like they say, we can't. We don't need to fix what ain't broken. So if we're going to restore the families. How do we get there? From your perspective. Hmm. Well, it's not going to be an overnight fix. That's for sure. Because <laughs> took a lot of years to get here. You know. Well, I think I think more damage has been done to the black family in the last forty years than in the last four hundred. <laughs> You know, because uh, I'm talking as far as, you know, outside of, you know, slavery and and all the other stuff that we've been through. Uh, But in general, the black family was still, you know, what they were until about 40 years ago. 
you know, as we talked about before, you know, the crack epidemic really, really hit us, you know, starting in the early 80s. Correct. And, and the crack um, did cause a lot of hurt, pain, damage. You know, we had individuals that were ghetto rich. We we had a lot of things. I'm going to ask you the same question, Tabuki. What do you think are some of the things that kind of destroyed families to where we are looking at restoring a family? Mm. I would like to, well, I mean, crack definitely played a strong impact into it, but I grew up in essentially L.A. in the early 90s, from the mid to late 90s, and the the impact of, like, gangster rap and, like, gangs in L.A. specifically, that had a big influence. And then Uh gangs sort of just traveled throughout the country and became nationwide, and then I just kind of took hold ever since the 90s. And it's just been okay. just kept going since I I assume. Okay, that's a good one. Now you know another thing, and um, I had reached out to a friend of mine that I have been knowing for years. I think he's telling me I don't know if they can hear me on Facebook. I have no idea because the mute thing is kind of on. I don't know. But um, one of the things that we talked about, and I was talking to Gerald Graham, and I want to tell him happy birthday. And um, But one of the things, and Valentine's Day is tomorrow, so people are going to be celebrating Valentine's Day. You know, we got I got grandkids, birthdays that I got to deal with. But when we talk about restoring something, you're not going to fix what's not broken. And I tell people, even as a therapist, I can't fix things, can't fix people. And we start talking about relationships. Relationships can become very complicated. But one of the things that I've seen within the black communities is the death of a loved one, the death of the matriarch or the patriarch, or not only just the death, but even leading up to the death, when you've got a family member that's terminally ill and you come from a big family. I know people that have had fights at the hospital because mama in a coma or daddy is sick or whatever the case may be. But when somebody dies, that's a biggest issue because many times we're not prepared for that. So this week I will be celebrating, well, not celebrating, because I don't want to celebrate that, but this week, the, on the 17th, will be the 16th anniversary of my mother's transition. And, you know, we went from my great-grandmother in Louisiana to my grandma Rose to my mama, and then I'm the oldest of her three children. But death, that's a problem in a lot of families because people start fighting over stuff, having a sense of entitlement, thinking somebody owed them something. And you see a lot of conflicts, even at the funeral. It'd be a mess. So I'm going to ask you, because I, I don't know if you've experienced that. You may have to look you when your grandmother died. But I don't know, because I think she passed in 2008. So I don't know how much I mean, that's missed. exactly what I experienced. I mean, okay. I was very young. I was extremely young when she passed. But I I still remember like the atmosphere around that time and it wasn't good and i can say now as an adult that that was the moment that kind of rifted blood relatives apart and like to a degree we're still trying to even mend that mm-hmm. and you know it's interesting because i think the last time i probably saw your grandmother i was probably about 17 18 years old that's how long it had been and even when I would, as an adult, go through the neighborhood, because I wasn't raised in that neighborhood. I was, grew up in Compton. And even when, because I always remember that black and white house. I always remember that house. <laughs> but even yeah. the house, or she would be outside in the front yard or, you know, in her garden or whatever she was doing, and I would have conversations with her. I knew her a little differently. I didn't know you really know your grandfather, but I knew her. I would talk to her. And... So I didn't even know when she had even passed, but apparently she passed the same year my mother passed. My mother passed in February, and I believe she passed in did she pass in December? What month did she pass? It's a, that was a really I don't remember the specifics. I, in fact, I actively blocked out some of the specifics. And you know what? That right there is deep, because a lot of people do block things out. 
if I talk to my kids about my mother's passing and the things that we, some things they remember, some things they don't because they were kids. They were young. I think my daughter was in college, though. And my son was 21, 22, but um, my granddaughter was only like five. So my nieces and nephews were young. But it brings a lot of conflict, a lot of conflict. Um, Mr. Ed, what about you in regards to the death of a family member, how sometimes a lot of the conflicts occur upon the passing of a matriarch or patriarch or someone getting ill and the other family members don't want to participate in helping and people start developing attitudes and fighting and all kinds of stuff. But they say that the stuff hits the fan. What's your take on that, Mr. Ed? Well, um you know, it it, uh, uh, it, uh, it depends um, on the uh, family structure to start with. Like um, one of the things we had touched on last week when we uh, talked about that movie Soul Food, remember? And uh, that structure, that whole thing, like Big Mama was pretty much the glue to keep everything together, you know? Mm-hmm. And then and when she passed, everything, everything went crazy, you know? Yep. And so if you got a structure like that, then that, that's kind of common in the black community, you know. And, uh-huh. um, but you also have other kinds of structures to where if a matriarch or a patriarch passes, it still may have a, a level of, of anarchy going on, but uh-huh. it's not that big a deal, you know, because right. you know, you know, everybody was already pretty much doing their own thing even when the person was alive, so... Right. But it may become an issue if if they had like a lot of wealth, a lot of stuff in their house or whatever, and then people fight over what what you know what they deserve and you know and what they feel entitled to, et cetera, and so on. Um, but and a lot of times that's not the case though, because you have so many people that don't have that kind of wealth. You have a lot of people you know that that pass away in in nursing homes, so they really didn't have a whole lot. But so security checks anyway, so it wasn't a whole lot to fight over, you know. But it was you know just what? the way the, the funerals and stuff was handled, you know, the mm-hmm. way the passing was handled and the way the interactions were handled. They, they become right. the, the, the main focus. Yeah, that makes right. sense? It do make a lot of sense, but this is what I want to say. This is where I believe a lot of, it, a lot of us mess up because we don't understand what little bit we do have. If you own property, please look into getting a will and trust. Because if not, your stuff could wind up in probate court, and then you're going to have a problem. You know, you want to designate a medical director, someone to make a decision in case you do get to the point where somebody got to pull the plug and that's not on your family because people fight over that. Because a lot of it is the fear. It's the fear, the unknown. And they fight over it doesn't even matter. They fight over China. They fight over, they fight over all kinds of stuff. So if you, and it's not how much you have. But you got to get your house in order. you got to make sure that you've got your stuff in place. And a lot of times in the black communities, we don't do that. we still got people dying without insurance. You know, they fighting over who go bury mama, who go do this, who go do that. And we shouldn't have to do that. We need to do better because we've seen this happen so many times. When I tell people I got my deed to my grave, I do. I got my deed to Inglewood Park Cemetery. You know, hopefully my kids will follow what they're supposed to do, but uh, my stuff is already paid for. So it ain't going to be no GoFundMe or, you know, and if anybody want to fight over my bills, oh, y'all can fight all y'all want. But it ain't going to be a fight because the lawyer's already not. <laughs> so my thing is we got to do better when it comes to that because people fight over their parents' property. They fight over the insurance policies. They who is a mess? So you, you see so many conflicts, communication issues. And the one thing that I've learned, and I've seen this, and I've even seen where families fall out because parents believe in putting the responsibility on the oldest child. Sometimes that's too much. It's way too much. And so when we are delegating responsibilities, we want to make sure that people are on the same page and we're following the directions of what someone told us or what they want it done, you know. So the communication issues become a part. Trauma is another reason why some individual family members separate themselves because of a child 
childhood trauma or relational trauma or things that have happened that was very traumatic within the family to where they separated themselves. So, Bookie, what is your take on that with the trauma of that how some family members, it becomes this discord because of trauma? Um, I believe that when when a when someone in a family structure has been traumatized by their relatives, I feel that it's valid to take space back, especially mm-hmm. if it's done to someone when they're younger, or if they experience it while they're younger and don't really have too much like autonomy over themselves. I think mm-hmm. it's perfectly valid to take a step back and like build build their own self identity up, build their own confidence up apart from that environment. Mm-hmm. But since the topic is rebuilding families, I think it's also important if the rebuilding process ever comes for both sides to realize that this is a new person I'm trying to rebuild with. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Like that is the hope too is. Hopefully this person has grown. Hopefully I've grown. And we can now come together at a different place. We're no longer cousins at odds. We're no longer the uncles who hate each other. We're no longer brothers butting at We're just coming together because we're family at the end of the day. And there's a desire to But in order to fix it, you can't look at that person as the person who wronged you all those years ago or all that time ago. You have to look at them as a new person or else mm-hmm. the process just won't work. And that's right. from my own personal experience. And you know what? And I want to say this too, Tabuki. All relationships cannot be restored. Because when we're talking about exactly. abuse, you're not going to make me be friends with someone that has traumatized me. I may forgive them because forgiveness is a choice, but I don't have to sit there and eat bread with you at Thanksgiving and share turkeys and act like nothing ever happened. But I'm going to heal and become healed so that I'm not transferring it onto somebody else. Then we have another caller calling in. Let me log this person in. Hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Friendship Yo, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. So today we're talking about restoring families, and we're talking about some of the things and the trauma and the communication issues and the conflicts. And the things that how can we bring families back together? And like I said, it doesn't mean you're going to fix people. And all relationships doesn't mean that just because I'm related to you, i got to continue to let you hurt me. Because there are some individuals and family members that are toxic. There are some people that are messy. And if they change, that's great. But if they don't change, that doesn't mean you got to tolerate it. That doesn't mean you got to accept it. And that's why boundaries are so important. Many individuals do not know how to set boundaries. Now, we spoke a little bit about the addiction part to where um, Mr. Abel talked about how to crack a epidemic and how drugs, and, and, and we minimize alcohol. But what about the drunks in the family, the person that was irresponsible? I know people that are still upset with their family members because they were homeless to where somebody was irresponsible. Somebody abandoned the family. So those are things that issues that come up too. I think this is way busy on the air. Um, what do you want to say to that in regards to restoring families, way busy? Well, you know, I, I mean, you said a lot. So I mean, I I have you know, you said so much that I had to abandon what I was thinking before and go on to something else, and then I had to ban- I had to keep going. So, but um, I heard you say something about boundaries, you know, and how important it is to establish boundaries. And I was going to kind of elaborate on that a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. when, you're, when you establish boundaries, this is because you want to have a relationship with someone outside of yourself. And, you, and, and, and establishing boundaries protects you from people that are controlling, have a controlling spirit. They're very controlling. And mm-hmm. they're manipulating. You know, they're very manipulative. And mm-hmm. if you say if you say anything about any of that, they will exploit your feelings, and and you're going to find yourself um, in a position to where you're not even experiencing what a relationship really consists of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, 
but I think the I think the most important thing concerning what you were talking about, which is originally, um, you know, restoring the family, right? Well, it mm-hmm. starts with the ma- the starts with the man. Now you said that you had a lot of uh, traumas in your past, and you didn't want to transfer them into your next relationship. That's what I was thinking, and mm-hmm. so you want you. What I hear you saying is that you want to take the time to um, to metabolize your traumas, your early traumas, you know, and mm-hmm. and um, and digest them so that they doesn't they don't show up when you're talking or when you're doing your thing. Because those are the things that we need to deal with. But people, you have to take them back to these traumas, you know. And then as you do, they're going to have options to how they feel about it now because it's not the initial response, right? That's mm-hmm. true. Right. So I, that's what I just want to throw that in there. I'm, I'm, I could go on and on, but I'm, I need to shut up because you know, I'm really no, busy, right? Yeah. Not only that, our kids now, if you want to call in and you want to join in on the conversation, give me a call at 516 516- Three eight seven one nine one four. A lot of individuals are saying that they're not getting a link. Five six three seven one nine. Oh, I'm messing this up. Five six three eight seven one nine one four. Um, to join in on the conversation, I was listening to because I was asleep, but I wasn't asleep because I was house sitting over the weekend, and my grandson was very excited about seeing me. But I'm laughing because he said something to his mother, and, you know, Ryder is all about family, but Ryder is a very interesting kid. And my daughter, I don't think I was a fusser when I was a kid, but my daughter fussed a lot. And Ryder gets tired of her fussing. So as I was laying on the couch sleep, and she was telling Ryder, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave. Right about sick of her and this abandonment stuff. He like, I'm tired of you right now. So as Tisha kept talking, Ryder said, can you please let me finish my sentence? I said, oh, he's just barely eight years old. If I would have said something like that to my mom, my mom would have popped me in the mouth. Can you please let me finish my sentence? Because what he was saying is I'm not being heard. And that is one of the biggest issues that I've seen with families, we don't listen. We don't want to uh, take... Can I touch on that, actually, if I may? Yes. Because I think that's such a profound point that you yourself has the reaction of, wow, this is an eight-year-old. I wouldn't have been able to say that as an eight-year-old. I, yeah. I myself, I'm only 29, and I'm also like, yeah, I couldn't have said that at eight years old. But I find it funny that, like, as the old, as the younger generations, some of my peers are having children, some of my friends and so on and so forth are getting married or having kids, and they're starting to have these conversations about gentle parenting and trying to change how they discipline their kids relative to how they were disciplined. And I think it's all very key to this conversation because it touches on what the last person that spoke on, boundaries. A lot of families end up rifting apart because boundaries are never even an option, especially in the black community, especially if you go back. <laughs> like, if the further back in history you look at black families, the less, well, this is just from my experience, candidly, the less respect there is for the younger generations to even just exist. There's this common phrase of, like, a child should be seen, not heard, right? I was raised on that. And that just leaves you in a space where, like, as you grow up, teenage years, for example, and it's always this quote-unquote teenage rebellion, but in the black family, that gets taken to, like, extremes because, again, there was no boundaries set to begin Mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's very important to, like, bring up. When I was laying there asleep, when I heard that 8-year-old say, can you please let me finish my sentence? And he wasn't rude when he said it, but what he was saying was, you're not listening to me. You're not, I, I, I hear you, but you don't hear me. And respect. Mm-hmm. We've lost a lot of respect. Now, we just have another caller call in, number in and in 9732. What do you want to add as we're talking about restoring families and we're talking about some of the things that have happened within the families that have broken down the family structure? structure. 
We talked about death. We talked about communication issues. We talked about trauma, addiction, abuse. Another one I want to throw out there before he speaks is jail and being incarcerated. People being in prison have also the restoring of family. They broke it down. Because we got a lot of, somebody talked about something about the men in the home. But when we talk about, he ain't going to be here long. Reggie, I ain't playing with you. Um, so when we start talking about restoring families, and we're talking about jail and incarceration. So the caller that just called in, what do you want to add to the show? Okay, when you speak on a subject like this, it's very delicate. Because the black community and as far as the male's aspect and involvement in it, the man has been under attack since the beginning of the Israel days and all. The man been under attack to where we were picked out of the community as being a support system by the government, which took away our independence and our other halves don't look up to us in that nature, which separates family, community, and everything else when it comes to being black. Uh-huh. See me, I, I, I recognize that I recognized it a long time ago when I went to the penitentiary. Okay, my first trip to the penitentiary, it was like being in the daycare facility, but. I had a determination not to become a substance of the judicial system. Mm-hmm. So my first time while in jail, they had printing classes, they had carpentry classes, they had a lot of things to offer the inmates, which mm-hmm. was good because that was a source of rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. So I took a, a printing course, and when I got out, I became a press operator, mm-hmm. and I didn't go back to jail. It all it all starts in the mind, mm-hmm. and when it comes to family, a lot of us deal with jealous issues mm-hmm. where we separate ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of us came up wearing our older siblings' clothes, mm-hmm. which never gave us. We, if, if you if you always wore hand-me-downs, you sometimes develop a hand-me-down mentality, uh-huh. which which goes right back into the families. But then, but then it's, it gets it's you like a generational curse. It's uh-huh. like a generational curse that keeps getting passed down, and if uh-huh. the person involved don't recognize it and try to change the generational curse. It'll mm-hmm. exist forever. Gotcha. You know, that's just like me and my son had a had a conversation one day, and I was trying to tell him about he needs to be the one to break the curse because I'm already uh-huh. trying to to break it, and I want all my seeds and siblings to be be brother and sisters and communicate with one another uh-huh. so that they can all exist and know that they are that they have family members in the world somewhere. Well, you know what, that goes back to my niece asked me a question, and she brought to my attention, and she was like, you know what, Auntie, I liked it when Granny was around and the things and all that. And I told her, I said, your Granny was messy. She was, my, my grandma, my mama sorted a lot of mess. She was messy. But not only was she messy, she was family-orientated, and she was demonstrating what all she knew. When you start talking about hand-me-downs, sometimes people appreciate it because it's an honor. It's a a, a, a rite of passage is how some parents looked at that. They may not have looked at it as if I'm hurting you or you're less than your sibling, but it was things were being passed down from my generation and generation and generation. I still got some of my mother's clothes that, you know, and she's been gone for 16 years, but some days I'll just put on one of her sweatsuits or I would put on one of her pantsuits or one of her, when I was going to church, I would put on her dresses. You know, so to me, that was a rite of passage. I didn't look at it as a hand-me-down. And sometimes it's about sharing. 
Now, when you come from a big family, you saw a lot of that in big families, and you did more in smaller families, but I know you say it was just you and your brother. And sometimes it's how people perceive it. But if you being teased at school because you got all, all other people. Yeah, 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 that, 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 that kind of hurt psyche. back then. Correct, correct. That messed with your psyche. Now, I see people are on Facebook, and they're watching. I see Liddell's watching. I see my cousin Sharon watching. But if you want to join in and call in and join us on the conversation, give me a call at 516-387-1914 because I want to hear what people have to say when we're talking about restoring families because sometimes we also have selfish family members. We got family members that we've always said was bougie. We got family members that started separating themselves years and years ago. You do the auntie that, that was a have. We got the have and the have not. We see a lot of things portrayed on television. You know, Mr. Ed started off with, like, being like Tyler Perry moves or his, his voice, how when we watch some of these things, we can relate because many of us have experienced some of these things, but we don't know how to go about healing. We don't know about how to go about, about reconciliation or restoring. So when my niece came to me and was like, Auntie, I would like for things to go back. And I was telling her some things. I told my daughter the same thing last night about family. And I said, I don't trust a lot of my family members. They're not trustworthy. So me knowing that, it don't separate them me from them. But when I say trust, I know what I can trust you with, and I know what I can't trust you with. Now, people may have changed. I'm not saying that they haven't, but trust and betrayal is huge. Back in the day, Mr. Ed, you know, we had family members sleeping with other family members. Kids got, they, they not only sister and brother, they cousins. It was a mess. So trying to go back and fix some of that stuff, some individuals find it difficult. Now, I was looking at something, and it talked about they have a family matters workshop. This is something I probably need to do. And I was looking at the price of this. I said, this thing, it says the cost is $11,150 for up to four participants and $2,700 for each additional family member. And what they do is they do like an intervention with the family. But one of the things is they teach the family member about how family functions in general. Many of us, what is normal to us may be abnormal to somebody else. So you've got to look at the family structure, and you've got to assess the needs of the family. They're also talking about helping the family focus less on the members or members who have been identified as ill and focus on the member that is whole. Now, I know now I am a different example than what I was as a participant in my family years ago. When I had my cousin Tootie on the air last week, and she was talking about how she used to get a whooping. I didn't know she got a whooping because of some of the stuff I did, but I did do a lot of stuff. <laughs> but I didn't know she got a whooping behind it. So I guess, you know, she's like my aunties. Every time Jeanette came around, somebody getting in trouble because Jeanette always got these big bright ideas like writers. But you focus on the family as a whole. They help to identify conflict and anxieties and help the family develop strategies to resolve them. I'm going to ask you, Jerome, a lot of times talk about the strategies to restore conflict. Sometimes that's like opening up Pandora's box or another can of worms. What's your take on that to develop strategies to? Well, me, myself, I have learned from experience that some things are just best left alone because, like you say, it's like Pandora's box mm-hmm. because you never know how the other individual that you're trying to break the ice with or I'm going to just use this as a prime example. My ex-wife, I had heard her in the past, but I called my, and it bothered me years later after I, matured and thought about my actions toward her. So throughout my guilt, I felt you know, like the I need to, to apologize. 
first wife, second first wife. Okay. The first wife. Mm-hmm. So I just felt like I needed to apologize to the one. Apologize. We started developing a friendship. But throughout that reconnection, she still was hurt inside and really didn't know how to deal with certain issues when it came to me. And I recognized it right off the bat. So instead, in, me, instead of her still going through the pain, I just chose to remove myself from the situation. Mm-hmm. And so that she can go on with her healing process and I can go on with my healing process, which I should have left it alone in the beginning from the start. Because I uh-huh. knew deep down inside that it wasn't going to work. Uh-huh. But that and was just no. me trying to. Because uh-huh. she was like a family member to me. She was my first wife. We uh-huh. went through what we went through. But she still was somebody that I know. And she was, she was she's dear to me. I, I, can, uh-huh. I have a concern about how she feels, about her feelings. I have a few more family members that, yep, certain things you should not mention because, uh-huh. hey, if it's dead, why bring it up? Correct. But then when you talk about restoring things and when you talk about family and we talk about a unit and, you know, and sometimes families can be broken, they can be distant, they can be amish, they can be, you know, we got family roles, we got because the one thing about me, I am very family orientated, very family orientated, but I'm no nonsense. Very, I'm not. I ain't got time for drama. I ain't got time for your mess. I because then I don't want the old net to come out. I don't want the the old behaviors to reinvent themselves. But I'm big on family. But sometimes you got families that try to take advantage of family. You got families that have hurt people that have, like you said, some things. It's better left alone, but when you apologize, you have to be sincere. When you say, I'm sorry, that means I'm sorry, I acknowledge what I did, I'm not going to do it again. Sometimes people keep saying they're sorry and they become repeat offenders. And a lot of times in families, families have covered up, hid, swept under the rug, some stuff that they needed to deal with. And I'm not saying that they knew how to deal with it because they didn't. So now we have way more resources available than we did years ago. So that's why when I heard Ryder right. saying what he said to Tisha, I was like, ooh, I couldn't have said that to my mama. Can you please let me finish my sentence? My mama would have kicked me out. Get out of my house, bitch. You know, <laughs> that was what she would have said. But Tisha had to handle it a little differently because we're a whole other generation. Yeah, so exactly. So when we start talking about families, I tell people you have to connect with them. I had a cousin call me today where she found a family member reached out to her, and she was going to give them my number because they found her on, I think it was Ancestry.com, and she was telling me that um, the 23andMe don't connect with them. So you've got people looking for family. you got people that don't even know who their family members are. They have no idea. And the first thing that my cousin said was, well, they look like y'all. They look like, I'm like, look like y'all. Well, yeah, they Willie Lee Thompson's. And, you know, and it's so funny because, you know, I was told Willie Lee Thompson wasn't even my grandfather, that he was my, my mama, my grandmama was pregnant before she met him. I don't know. I don't know. But sometimes we take on other people's baggage. Sometimes with families, we got family secrets. We got all of this stuff about and restoring. And like I said, everything can't be fixed, but some of the things we need to come out of the closet, we need to acknowledge, we need to just put it out there, we need to deal with it. Some people don't know how. I think, if I may, um, Mm -hmm. I believe that for the things that can't be fixed, there's like a large amount of acceptance that has to happen. Um, me personally, I've, I have cousins that I love dearly, 
who are extremely close to me. We've done so many things together. We've basically grown up together to the point that these are my siblings. They're no longer cousins in my eyes. But mm-hmm. we're getting older. I, I've, I've seen things and seen things and felt things with them that I'm like, I don't want to feel that or see that ever again. Mm-hmm. But you're still one of my closest relatives, and I'm not going to let you go. So what did I have to do with that? I simply had to accept who this person is and then mm-hmm. act accordingly. I had to adjust my boundaries to retouch mm-hmm. on that. Because boundaries can't just stay where they're at for your safety. You have to adjust your boundaries for the person you're dealing with as well, I've found. i found success in that. To the point where, like, yeah, I had a terrible vacation with a relative. I'm never traveling with this person again. That's It's that simple to me. That doesn't mean I'm going to be mean to them or cut them off. Part of our relationship is dead, sure, but our relationship can still continue to grow in other ways. I just had to accept this. I can't travel with this person. I don't like going out with this person. I don't like doing this with this person, and that's fine. Because not everyone has to be one size fits all. You can have family members that you just talk to. You can have family members you only see at the holidays. You got family members you call daily. That's the relationship of family. Not everyone has to serve every purpose in a family. And when you accept what role family members are to you specifically, they become easier to deal with. And when you accept your role in their life, vice versa, they also become easier to deal with because you'll be less hurt. Your boundaries will feel less encroached upon because you understand who this person is. You understand what the deal is. Correct. And you know what? Acceptance is just really huge. I I like that, Tabuki, because not only is it talking about boundaries, but expectations. Because I have a sister that's so emotional. She's so dramatic. You can't talk to her because she gets to screaming and hollering. And and I'll be like, oh, you know that. And then the other sister, well, you don't never listen. And you, I'm listening, but I ain't going to be listening to nobody screaming and hollering and blaming me for everything. That ain't my fault. So a lot of times we talk about restoring in families. As a therapist, I teach individuals about defense mechanisms, projections. A lot of times people will project onto you things that's not your stuff. you got to separate your stuff from other people's stuff. You know, I, I see it that I understand why the Oprah Winfrey's and, and individuals separate themselves from their family sometimes. Because, like my daughter said, you become the cash cow, and I ain't trying to be nobody's cash cow. But people start having these expectations of you. I remember one time my uncle told me, well, I was mad at you. And I'm like, why are you mad at me? Because I was homeless and it was your fault. Well, hell, if I don't pay my mortgage and I become homeless, is that your fault? So a lot of times people have expectations of you because they want you to be their family when it's convenient for them. They will capitalize off of that. And we see that in a lot of families too. You know, and that's something we saw, we see in movies and plays. And, you know, Mr. Ed, what is your take on that when you see family members trying to capitalize off of other family members? So that's huge in families. I was just thinking on that what you were saying. I mean, I was trying to get 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 a a chance to jump on the freeway with you there. Um, <laughs> I um, yeah, that right there. You know, like you said, uh, that cash cow thing. I mean, you know, it's understandable. You know, you just once you get out of that that bucket of crabs, you got to stay out of it. You know. Because, uh-huh. Once you reach down, they're going to pull you in there with them, you know. And if mm-hmm. you don't get in there with them, then you're, you know, down, you know, down looked, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, that, and they will blame you. Whatever goes down in their life, they're going to blame you. Yeah, I went through this. He could have gave me this. He could have gave me that. He could have did this. You know. They blame me for everything that they went through. You know, I'm thinking, wait a minute now. Why is it my fault that you went through what you went through when I had nothing to do with it? Just because I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't be, be homeless with you. Mm-hmm. That was they. That was my uncle <laughs> told me it was my fault. He was homeless. That part. Yeah. So that that happens. You know, that happens a lot. You have a lot of people that, that they they they'll blame everybody but themselves. You know, for right. for their demises or their issues or whatever. <laughs> And right. that's just, 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 just,
I told my uncle, because my mother told me before she died, before my mother even said anything about her children, my mother said, make sure you take care and help my sisters and brothers. That's what she said. She didn't say nothing about her kids, nothing about her grandkids. It was my siblings. Because my mother was so family-orientated, she would go to bat. I watched her fight for her brothers, with her brothers. With her. I've seen that. And that's all she asked me to do. So when he did get in that situation, I said to him, you can come to Oceanside. He didn't want to come to Oceanside because he didn't want to do right. But I wasn't going to let him live in a house in Compton with my daughter because now i got to hurt you. Because if you do some of the stuff you're doing, and you let other family members come over there that I know about them, and something happened to my daughter or my grandson, we going to have a problem. So <laughs> to nip it in the butt, I said, come to Oceanside. He told me he didn't want me to leave L.A. I can't do nothing about that. Absolutely nothing can I do about that. So when we talk about these things, I should call him because somebody asked me about him the other day. And, no, they asked me about him today, and I said, I have not talked to him. So, um, Jerome, what's your take on that when we start talking about restoring families? I'm going to call him and see if he answers, because I want to know what he can say about restoring families. Well, this is something that me and, and my family members practice, because we was raised a certain type of way. And we use Facebook as a form. And it's just called the Tobin check-in. Mm-hmm. And what we do is one family member might might put it up, family Tobin check-in. And that mm-hmm. gives us the opportunity to say, hey, I'm doing fine. Hey, how you doing over there, cuz? And we keep our communication going with just a few texts. I mean, restoring the family, sometimes it's always left up to the bigger person look at mm-hmm. the situation and evaluate it and bring it together the best way they know how. You mm-hmm. know? Okay. That's just like, okay, a lot of us individuals set our own self up. Mm-hmm. Just like you brought up, you brought the word of cash cow. Okay. Now I got, I, I'm, a, I'm a carpenter by trade also. And I got family members that come to me and they want me to do all this work for, for nothing. But mm-hmm. I'm like, uh-uh, you going to get charged the same as anybody else. Why do you get special privileges all of a sudden? I mm-hmm. gave you a deal the first time. Now you think you're going to get a deal every time? No. That's that's one yeah. of our big problems in our in our community. That's one of our big thing problems right there, especially in the black family. They, they think that they should get either for little or nothing or nothing. And I've been saying when I was, you know, with me being a, 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 a computer tech com, um, um, contractor, okay, mm-hmm. you know, I come to people's houses, I come to, you know, I fix, you know, computer issues, I fix network issues, I fix wiring, I fix Wi-Fi, I fix, you know, technological, technological stuff in their house. And mm-hmm. um, everybody, everybody wants a big discount, you know. I'm mm-hmm. already giving them a discount just because I know them or their relatives or whatever, but they want more of a discount. You don't charge me that much? I'm family, you know. I'm going to charge you $45 to, 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 to analyze your computer, tell you what's what, Try maybe tweak a little something, something or whatever, and you know you might be good to go, or at least you'll know what you got to do next. You, mm-hmm. If you take that same computer, you go to Best Buy, they're gonna charge you a hundred dollars to tell you they can't fix it. The Geek Squad, ninety-nine dollars an hour. <laughs> that That's is good. Just to look at it, what? just to look at it before they even do anything. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna charge you forty-five dollars and deduct it from whatever I'm doing. So if I charge yeah. whatever I charge, I'm gonna deduct that forty-five dollar. That's my come out fee, okay? Mm-hmm. And and I, and if you're a family or a friend, I'm gonna I'm gonna knock off some things because I know you, you know, or you, you're my relative or whatever. But that's not enough. Are you gonna charge me that much? <laughs> <laughs> do, 
put up something. But, but, you, but, but, but you don't mind going out there to Best Buy or, or whoever and paying what they're going to yeah, charge you. Yeah, pay that $100. They they cool with that. Just like I, I got a family member. Every time he called me, it's, hey, send me this, send me that. So I got slick with it. Every time his phone rings, as soon as I answer the phone, hey, Kev, I'm glad you was calling. Hey, send me, send me a couple of dollars. I, I learned to beat him to the punch. Oh, that you way. know what? Brother told me to do that too. <laughs> he, said, he said, Jeanette, before they ask you, ask them first. Tell them how bad it is for you. Ask them first. Tell yep, I beat him to the punch. When they tell you, well, you know, I ain't got it. Well, what made you think I got it? You know. And that, that is interesting. So I see you guys out there watching Tristan Thompson. I see you out there restoring family. I should have called Sean Cook because she ain't called in today. Because there's a lot of work that needs to be done within our family. And I'm looking at some factors, again, that I brought up earlier that causes broken family include communication disorders, because some people don't know how to talk to people. Um, not only that, um, dissatisfaction, economic issues, lack of education, People, oh, you think you know everything. You, I tell individuals, many people in Thompson thought I became a lawyer. I said I'm glad I didn't because I'd probably be the brokest attorney practicing law because everybody would want me to take their case for a bold out. They still come mm-hmm. to me with issues. I'm glad sometimes I didn't get that law degree, even though sometimes I struggle with it. But economic, lack of uh, education, third-party disturbances. Some people are messy and psychological disturbances because we got some family members that basically have mental health issues. And if they have mental health issues, we used to give them a pass, ignore them, but we need to get our family members some help or at least look into an intervention. Don't put your mouth on people. Don't be backbiting. But jealousy plays a role in a lot of cases, but we talk about people behind their back. That is an issue too with them family members. Tabuki, have you experienced? You know, you, you, you know, there's um, there's uh, three main points I would like to get going here if we could. If, I know we're running out of time. There's three mm-hmm. main points I'd like to touch on if we could. Uh, one is uh, what was mentioned earlier. You know, someone said uh, about something about uh, accepting hand-me-downs. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's a debatable thing. You know. Um, the other one is knowing your relatives, and the other one is accepting history. Now, first mm-hmm. off, the hand-me-down thing, okay? Um, first off, I was my mother's oldest, so I didn't get no hand-me-down. <laughs> you know? But I did mm-hmm. get hand-me-down because I'm only I'm only I'm only um set, I was only seven years younger than my youngest uncle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and nine years, and let me see, yeah, seven, and uh, and and nine years younger than my next oldest youngest uncle. Okay, so I got a lot of their hand me downs that was sent from Mississippi to L.A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, but the thing about hand me downs, they didn't send me no raggedy stuff. You know, it was like stuff that was still good. You know, mm-hmm. you know, that fit and everything. You know, and you know, it was different. But um, as I grew older, of course, by the time I got my tunes, I was able to wear my dad's hand-me-downs, you know. Because mm-hmm. my dad, you know, my dad used to dress kind of spiffy, you know. And when I got to, you know, so he got, when he got, got tired of his old stuff, he would hand it down to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And my dad okay. had some sharp stuff. I mean, my dad uh-huh. had, had dress shirts, you know, James Bond cuffs and all that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> you know? And I thought that was Shop. cool. Oh, man, that's cool. So, let's get to the next uh-huh. topic. With the, yeah, we'll get to the other one because we got four minutes left. So, the hand-me-downs is the best. Hey, so what was the other thing that you okay. wanted to speak so, about? So, the hand-me-down thing, it depends. Some hand-me-downs was cool. Some was not so good. Okay. But uh, it just depends on the situation what kind of hand-me-downs. So, as far as the knowing your relatives, <laughs> You know that's something we talked about before as well. You gotta you gotta try to find your your relatives. You gotta try to know who your relatives are. If you know of them, try to communicate, try to contact, try to get connected with them. I mean, I'm not saying you gotta be tummy tummy buddy buddy, but at least try to get to know them. You know, try to connect with them. You know, because you never know what that may lead to. You know, and then the third one was um, you got to accept the histories of your family. You know. Mm-hmm. Because some people, you got some people that 
deliberately avoid their family based on histories. Like when you was talking about earlier about well, so-and-so got this kind of a, you know, reputation or whatever, and so you want to avoid them based on that. But, you know, you mm-hmm. might have just one part of the story. You might not have the whole story. It might be more to it than that. For instance, I got family members that believe negative things about me, okay, mm-hmm. for a long time until I got older enough and I actually hooked up with them and I sit down with them and I explained the real, okay? And they'll tell me, well, you know, I heard, you know, that you did this and you didn't and, do I'm, that, and, you know, and they had all these different perspectives. So, so the main thing is when you have a, a, a negative history ideal of someone, it'll keep you from associating with them. Therefore, you're losing out on a lot of family moments and connections. Right. So right. and that, and that's going to affect no. a lot Stop. when it comes to family. And that's true because that's the perception. People have perception of people because of what they heard, and that's not always true until you get to take the time to know them. Now, we only got like two minutes left in the show. I want to share some information. It talks about seven tips for successfully rebuilding a diminished or lost family relationship. Take time to self-reflect in advance. So before you go to that family member and you want to let them know, I love you, I'm coming to you in love, you may have offended me, you want to make sure that you are you self-reflect. You want to identify off-limit topics because some topics may be more sensitive to some than they are to others. Manage your expectations. You cannot expect for the person to feel the way you feel, respond the way you respond, or act the way you want them to act. Say you're sorry sometimes, if you're sorry, but don't lie. Don't say you're sorry if you know you're not. But learn how to apologize if you've done something wrong. Meaning, I tell people, if I've said something, if I've done something to offend you, that was not my intention, I apologize. Because that's better than saying, oh, I'm sorry, get over it. No, no. Another one is use I statements to speak your side and respond. When you I statements are better than you statements because you're not blaming someone for the way you feel. And don't be afraid to take breaks and take patience. But if you see you're not getting anywhere, if you see that the relationship cannot be restored, sometimes just leave it alone, let it be. It's no big deal, you know. So I'm going to ask you, Mr. Ed, what do you want the listeners to take away from restoring families before we end tonight? What do you want the listeners to know? Well, the best thing I can say about as far as restoring families is what I just said a few minutes ago. You know, you got to find who your family members are that you don't really know. I mean, you might know of, but you don't know because you, you know, either you have uh, decided they're not worth you hooking up with or you uh, have misconceptions of who they are or for whatever reason. You need to really connect the best you can. Whoever that is, someone in the town or someone across the country. Kabuki, what is your takeaway you want the listeners to know about restoring families? Um, For me, I would just like to reiterate that acceptance is very key for your family members in order to move forward because if you don't accept them, then you won't be able to hear them out when you actually start the rebuilding process. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is always working because honestly, we need more community. Us as a whole, just humanity, we need more community, and it starts in the family. Mm-hmm. So that's all I wanted to say. Okay, Jerome, what do you want the listeners to know in regards to restoring family? Well, I'm gonna just say this: family is all you got, and right now we losing a lot of family members. So my recommendation to everybody out there is to just keep contact with your family because life is short. And once again, learn how to forgive sometimes and not only forgive the people, but forgive yourself also and Mm -hmm. keep loving your family. Mm -hmm. And you know what? And I like that because love, a lot of people don't even know what love means. And we are so broken and we're so hurt. Dale said, practice what's preached. <laughs> okay. All right, Ms. Dale. Now, when we're talking about this and restoring, and you got to remember, all relationships will not be able to be reconciled. So 
sometimes we're holding on to grudges and bitterness and we're holding on to that pain from things that have happened years and years and years ago. And I just what you said, Dale. I'm not messy. <laughs> Dale gonna put on there you messy. It's on Facebook, Dale, you posted it. But the thing is, we have to accept people for who they are and even if they change. Change can be in increments because we're gonna change whether we want to or not. And also maturity. So sometimes when we're holding these grudges, we are, like they say, poison and we waiting on them and we, we mess it up for ourselves. So family as a unit is still a unit, but by that same token, I always say, like we say, forgiveness is a choice. Just like we can choose who it would. But don't just do it because somebody else said something bad about them. Find out for yourself. Don't go to that person and say, he said, she said, but take the time to get to know somebody and take the time for yourself, too. So I want to thank you for joining us here at Precious Prediction Radio. I appreciate you guys joining me. I appreciate your feedback. Okay. He um, said, I'm speaking on the whole show, what we preach practice. I get that, and that is true. We got to do better, especially by our family. To do better. Dr. Phillips would say you cannot change what you don't acknowledge, but we do have to do better. And there are a lot of people out there that are related to people that we don't know. Some people are doing a 23andMe. Some people are doing an ancestry.com. Some individuals are even being rude when family members are even trying to connect with one another. So let's do better. So enjoy your night. And again, thank you for joining me here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk.